Because I feel like the me before all these quarantine epiphanies was someone that was actually very toxically positive and didn't realize it. Welcome back to another episode of Rare Frequencies. After recording my last episode and listening back to it, I actually really enjoy the very, I guess, spontaneous way of that episode. Like, that I wasn't kind of reading off a script or dot points, that I was just kind of speaking from the heart. And I know that can be quite difficult to follow sometimes, but I am preferring that platform um, and that mode of, of podcast because it sounds really conversational and um, yeah, I like it. Casual and conversational. So I think I'm going to take the rest of my episodes like that from now on. Um, <laughs> so hopefully you will still come along for the ride. Uh, but today's episode is going to be about toxic positivity. And this is something that I'm still thinking about a lot. I don't think I have the answers, nor do I think that I know everything about it. It's just really a casual discussion about what I think it is and how I think it's come to be. And I guess like how it plays a part in mental health and, you know, things like that. (laughs) So um, I just want to quickly touch on, you know, the evolution of mental health just um i feel like it's only really been recent that mental health has become less of a taboo topic to talk about openly um and with this comes you know an evolution and do you remember back when everyone first started talking about mental health not everyone like back when it was really first spoken about publicly it was like good vibes only and like think positive kind of quotes um you know back then these were like really cool like oh yeah like I totally agree with that yeah good vibes but like when you think about it now in hindsight doesn't that just resemble toxic positivity in the most I mean in and amongst itself completely like saying no negativity um turn every positive thought into a good one and like you'll live a good life i don't know that's kind of the impression that i get when i look back on like the evolution of mental health when where it first started um and with this came a lot of you know exercises and you know practices that pretty much almost forced positivity like you know it just didn't really feel genuine it kind of just felt like an act but it's all that we knew at the time and so it felt like we were doing something for our mental health by thinking positively you know and whilst there is benefit in shifting your perspective i feel like that's kind of different to shutting out all negativity and forcing ingenuine positive thoughts that you don't even resonate with you know that's the worst part it's when you don't believe it so this was very surface level and i don't think we really understood that at the time either Simply because it was one of the first times we'd really ever spoken about mental health publicly. So, of course, it seemed like a reasonable starting point. 
I also want to do a quick disclaimer. I'm talking about this all in hindsight. By no means had I known all of what that meant at the time. And this is just me reflecting on, I guess, what it means for me now and today. And maybe what we can do to recognize it and work with our emotions and all of them, whether they're high or low. So I recently came across this beautiful poem by the essential Rumi. Um, now, please forgive my pronunciation, Jalaluddin Rumi, and it was translated by Coleman Barks. And this poem is called The Guest House. So, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Isn't that just beautiful? And, you know, I love poems because they're up to interpretation. And for me, I, it's kind of like saying that our mind is a metaphorical guest house. And all of our thoughts are guests. And when a thought comes into our head, it's knocking on our door and saying, hi, like, can I come in? And this poem is talking about how no matter whether they are good feelings, like good visitors or bad visitors, like let them come in, like meet them with love and laughter and invite them in. And I feel like that's really beautiful because that's a really nice way of looking at how we can, you know, acknowledge our thoughts when we meet them at the door, say hello and acknowledge that they exist and they're here with a purpose, invite them in for tea, sit down, talk to them, make them feel heard and understood. And, you know, when when they're finished, just kindly ask them to leave, the ones that you don't want to stick around. And I think that's beautiful because it's not saying that we have to, like, let all of the positive thoughts in and leave all of the negative ones at the door because like imagine that imagine every single negative thought you had that came knocking on your door and you were like hey not nah, you're not allowed to come in and you close the door on them imagine the pile of negative thoughts that just keep piling up increasing multiplying to the point where you finally open your door and you're trying to welcome in a like a good thought they suddenly just come pouring in and this is like symbolic of you know the mental breakdown or like just sudden anxiety or like you know you know what I mean it just like it just makes so much sense for me and it's like it's not good to bottle things up and it's not good to shut things out um so we should let them all in and invite them all in acknowledge them as guests and allow them to spend time in your mind but you know you are not your guest you don't have to identify with these thoughts if you don't want to you are not your negative thought give them tea listen to them make them feel heard and then ask them to leave you know 
this is pretty, I guess, revolutionary for my brain. <laughs> and I say this with lots of love because I feel like the me before all of these quarantine epiphanies was someone that was actually very toxically positive and didn't realize it. And that's probably why I had so much conflict with, you know, my work as a health coach and work on social media and, you know, Instagram and showing up. Like I had so much trouble because it felt like I was forcing that positivity when I really wasn't feeling that way at all. And it's hard to lead by example, you know, when you are not the example that you want to be. So yeah, I don't know. Or maybe I just no longer resonate with the person that I used to be. So it feels really stark. I don't know. You know, I look back at my old posts and listen to my old podcasts. And even though everything that I wrote about and said was meaningful and was genuine, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't post it if it wasn't. But listening back to it now, it still kind of felt a little bit forced. Like, I just sounded so freaking happy. <laughs> it's like, I know at the time I probably wasn't. And maybe the me in the past that was doing this felt like it had to be this way or else I couldn't be successful or else people wouldn't like me. Um, and it was some unspoken lesson I'd learned through courses, business coaches, social media. Like no one says that you have to pretend to be like, this but I felt like that's what I had to be I don't know do you do you feel that way about social media <laughs> I think it's only natural to cringe at old pictures captions and things like that it's just completely natural but I think that this is almost revolutionary evolutionary I don't know the difference revolution evolution I think that it is pretty profound for me to to realize this difference and to really allow myself to to truly and genuinely share both the good the bad the highs the lows and they're not good or bad you know they're all experiences and they all shape the people that we are today so okay so I wanted to maybe bring up some examples of what toxic positivity can look like because maybe some of us don't even realize that it's happening in our lives. So for example, let's say that you're talking to a friend and you mentioned that maybe you, um, hmm, let me think, maybe it's that you pulled a ligament in your leg and it's really painful and your friend is like, well, at least you can, you know, it's not broken, at least you've still got your leg and you know it can feel a little bit invalidating when someone says at least you know it's like undermining what you're feeling and saying because it's not broken or because you still have a leg that what you're feeling is not really that bad and I don't think people realize this when they do this but it happens a lot and it pretty much shuts down every single conversation and when and, and now that you're hearing this, you're probably going to notice it a lot. You're gonna become hyper aware of whenever this happens, and it's probably gonna piss you off. But remember to forgive these people because 
they probably don't really know the effect that their words have. And if in your if you're in a place where it's comfortable and it's okay for you to be able to tell them that what they've said actually isn't helpful or supportive or constructive, then please do that. <laughs> please do that. We can slowly start teaching our friends and family that what they're saying is actually toxic. <laughs> Another example of this is like, let's say you're expressing just disappointment or sadness or something in your life that's bringing you down. And then the other person responds with happiness as a choice. It's like suggesting that you are choosing to be sad. <laughs> like, hello, thank you very much. If it was that easy, I would always choose to be happy, wouldn't I? <laughs> Other things like look on the bright side or be grateful for what you have or, you know, just be happy. Are you kind of catching my drift here? Don't these all kind of sound a little bit toxic? I do really like Dr. Jamie Zuckerman's definition of what toxic positivity is and they say that Toxic positivity is the assumption, either by oneself or others, that despite a person's emotional pain or difficult situation, they should only have a positive mindset or, my pet peeve term, positive vibes. <laughs> and this is exactly what I'm talking about in terms of like looking back on my past self. It's like, I must have been under so much pressure to look like I was okay, to look like I had everything together because if I was anything but, then I wouldn't be valid. I, I wouldn't be successful. I wouldn't be, you know, I don't know, just less than. <laughs> I also feel like there's still this pressure to be productive and that being busy is closely associated with being productive. Like if someone's like super busy and like super unavailable then and I'm kind of speaking from first hand experience I'm just trying to frame it in a way that doesn't sound like me 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 but like I I was like really busy with work and stuff and um I had a friend check in and um they were like you know how how's everything been and I'm like I've just been really busy and uh <laughs> And then, I mean, I love them, but they were like, oh, that sounds really productive. And this is the exact kind of conversation or association that I want to just stop in its tracks right away. Like, just because someone is busy doesn't mean that, um, that it was productive. Because like for me, during that time, I was just busy just doing busy work, you know? I don't feel like this work was moving the needle forward in my life, my business, my my friendships. Like it was just kind of busy work that I had to do because I had some obligation to do it. And to be told like, oh, that sounds productive. I think it was like almost insulting to me because it's like, um, hello, it wasn't productive. And, you know, I think that that pressure is is constantly there and and we don't realize it sometimes. It's especially relevant for lockdown, like times of quarantine, when we do need to stay at home. And our primary goal and focus is just to put one foot in front of the other. And maybe it's just to go through the day without having an anxiety attack or, or breakdown. And that's what success for us looks like. 
And yet everything on social media is talking about how this is the perfect opportunity to start a side hustle, be productive, learn a new language, learn how to cook, make bread. And like, honestly, if these things do make you happy, then you are entirely entitled to do these things. But for those who actually don't have an interest in doing any of those things, like I don't feel like you should feel that pressure or expectation to pursue these things if you don't want to. It's okay not to be okay and you're still an entirely valid human being even if you don't have a side business or a side hustle and even if you still have a nine-to-five job you are still entirely valid it's totally fine and I talk about this a lot on the podcast but just removing that expectation and that narrative of what should be like we seem to be guided by what should happen what we should be doing right now and we get these expectations and these stories from social media because we're just absorbing and consuming what other people are doing and we just automatically take it on ourselves and think that this is what we should be doing too because that must be the benchmark when really everything is different for everyone and we all respond to times of stress differently. So how can we deal with toxic positivity? Just like the metaphor that I used earlier on in the episode about the guest house, avoid ignoring or you know suffocating your emotions. Like when you bottle things up, when you don't let them in, that's when bad things are going to happen sometime later down the road. The things that we're trying to avoid, like a breakdown or an anxiety attack. And acknowledge how you feel, you know, all of your emotions, the highs, the lows, everything. Sit with them, but you don't have to identify with them. You aren't your emotions or feelings. You aren't the anxiety. You aren't the stress. You aren't the depression you are you and and these are just guests in your house and I guess the second thing would be to listen listen to both yourself your feelings and acknowledge them no matter how strange they might feel and do the same thing for others around you they might not realize just how important it is to give ourselves that opportunity to talk about our feelings and have someone else listen to them and acknowledge them without judgment Remember that other people might be experiencing things differently and if you have a different opinion, then you don't have to impose that on them. (laughs) If it's okay and if they're comfortable with it, you can offer some gentle nudges or some suggestions, but always listen as a form of support over giving unsolicited advice. Number three... Resting is also productive. I associate productivity with things that serve me, that help me to make decisions, take action, move the needle forward. And even though doing nothing kind of seems like a lazy thing, it's actually productive if it's helping me to rest, recharge and re-energize myself to prepare myself for other things. So rest is productive and Being not okay is okay. I think it's also super important to acknowledge that feelings aren't mutually exclusive. So you can have two opposing feelings coexist at the same time. 
you can still feel sad about the current situation and also feel hopeful for the future. You can feel both of those things and that's okay. And this also ties in with being realistic with yourself. If you're going to set goals, then make sure that they are easy, small, practical and actionable steps. And remember that we are under a lot of stress during these times. So to give yourself some compassion and understand that it's not going to happen overnight if you do want to make a change. But remember that it's small, daily actionable steps that build strong habits and foundations for the future. What comes with being realistic with yourself also comes with being able to recognize toxic positivity when it happens and like I mentioned before if you can call it out and if you feel comfortable with it definitely but I think recognizing it is the best and also the first step to it anyway and understanding that you know social media is a highlight reel and a lot of people are only posting about their wins and a filtered perspective of their lives And sometimes it's some of these influencers' jobs to put their filtered best foot forward because that's how they make income. And so we need to be very conscious and wary and acknowledge that Instagram may not be a place that you want to spend too much time on if you find that it affects the way that you feel and that you find yourself comparing yourself a lot to the people that you are seeing. So I hope that this episode was one that came at a good time, maybe, and I hope that it helped you to form a new perspective on what positivity is like and how how often many of us are toxic about positivity. So just remember that your mind is a guest house and all of your thoughts are its guests. And you should meet them all with love at the door and invite them in for tea, even if they are good feelings or bad feelings, positive or negative. And that the best thing we can do is treat ourselves with love and kindness and also extend that to the people around us and allow others to feel their feelings with no judgment and no toxicity and no pressure to be happy. Or that happiness is a choice because it's not that simple. But anyway, I hope that this episode was enjoyable and I will see you in the next one. Bye!